Hello, hello. Welcome to the VHive, your go-to podcast for all things women's intimate health. I'm your host, Hannah, here to discuss the many questions you've always had about your body but never wanted to ask. Whether it relates to sex, chronic pain, trauma, relationships, healing, hormones, spirituality, and so much more, we are normalizing taboos, breaking down the complexities of the female body, and providing you with the information you need to take your health into your own hands. Good morning, guys. Happy Friday. Thank you for being here. I hope everyone is doing well. I am so excited for you to hear today's episode with Dr. Zinovia. She is an internationally distinguished board-certified dermatologist and hormonal skin expert. This conversation is so interesting. She's the first dermatologist to ever be on the VHive, so it's a really interesting episode, and we talk a lot about hormonal skincare, hormonal acne, and how she treats it, how it can be prevented, um, what she sees in her practice. She gives a lot of recommendations, tips, tricks, the whole thing, so it's really interesting. I think that you guys are going to love it. Um, A little more about her, she is committed to researching and developing innovative methods to combat leading skin issues from a holistic perspective, including hormonal balance for healthier skin at every stage of life. With nearly 15 years of extensive integrated experience in medical dermatology, surgical dermatology, Mohs micrographic surgery, and aesthetic treatments, Dr. Zinovia is renowned for her deeper than skin philosophy that addresses the root cause of symptoms. Her unique hormonal dermatology expertise allows her to examine the structure, function, and physiology of the skin at a biochemical level to achieve maximum results. Dr. Zinovia is also the founder and head dermatologist of Zena Medical in Newport Beach, California, where she is highly sought after amongst her high-profile clientele for her natural, just-underdone cosmetic artistry. So that's a little bit more about her. As I said, we dive into some really interesting conversations that have never been had here on the VHive. So I think that you guys are definitely going to find this interesting. And before we end the episode, I also just want to say I know that there has been um, a lot of back and forth between the membership subscription platform and now it's not a membership subscription platform so if you are interested in hearing more about this if you are confused why it was quickly changed over um, you can listen to the beginning of last week's episode i go over all of this in the first 10 minutes so if you missed that and you are wondering what's going on and why the episodes are now available to everyone moving forward definitely check out last week's episode the the whole episode's amazing but in the first 10 minutes I explain everything you need to know about this. So head over there if you want more information on that. And last but not least, please, please, please go over to the iTunes store and rate and review this podcast. If this podcast is something that is helping you, that you're learning and loving and finding interesting, please rate and review it. It really, really helps to bring the podcast higher up on the search in the iTunes store so that more people find it, more people know about it, and we can all spread the word on these important conversations that we're having. So that would mean a lot to me. That's something that you can do super easy and it will help the show to grow. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Go do that if you don't mind. It will take a minute. And I think that's it. Without further ado, let's get right into the episode. Welcome to the VHive. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Hannah. Super excited to talk to you. I am so excited to talk to you and to have you talk to everyone listening because you are such a wealth of knowledge. 
Um, I mean, first of all, you're the first dermatologist I've ever had on the podcast. So that is super exciting. And I know. (laughs) Um, And I just feel like you have so much to share and so much information to give. So I cannot wait to get into this episode with you. I have so many questions I want to ask you. But first, let's start by you just telling us how you got started in this field. Okay, awesome. Well, um, as a board certified dermatologist, I uh, did my dermatology residency at uh, USC in Southern California, University of Southern California. And, you know, to take your derm boards, you basically have to be an expert in all things skin. So, you know, I, I, I do skin cancer, I do skin cancer surgery, acne, autoimmune disease, genetic disorders of the skin. So, you know, you kind of are the last line of anything wrong with the skin. There's nobody to refer to above me. Yeah. And I love being an expert. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome to know a lot about a small subject. And I look at the microscope every day of my job. I still look at my pathology slides. So I'm very connected to kind of the molecules of the skin and the pathology of the tissue. But essentially what happened is as I kind of was evolving in my career, dealing with kind of the bread and butter of of dermatology, I started to notice Hannah that certain people would obviously exhibit disease at a specific phase in life. So, I mean, one of the most common things we know is like acne. We know that Mm -hmm. acne like affects teenagers. You know, you're not, you don't see a lot of 80 year old dudes with acne. And so there's something going on in those teenagers that is making the disease called acne and it can be kind of debilitating. It can be mild. And then I also noticed that like, you know, something's going on in pregnant women in their face and their skin. And the skin is kind of a big window into what's going on internally. And dermatologists are very intimately connected with immunology. We study immunology in our residency, um, but nobody really studied the effect of hormones and skin. Mm -hmm. And it just was a question I had in my mind, like, like, where's this information? Where's this data? And I'm certainly not an endocrinologist. I I don't claim to be a hormonal expert. That's really under the auspices of endocrinology. Um, But I definitely saw there was a strong connection between what's happening in our bodies hormonally and what's happening on our skin. Mm -hmm. And I just started to research it, study it, and get more input. How did you decide that hormonal dermatology was what you really wanted to specialize in? Because I feel like that's just such an interesting specialty in in a good way. Like so many people have hormonal acne and hormonal skin issues. Yeah. Well, um, it's funny because there's no such like certification in hormonal dermatology. There's no real, um, there's no specification for that. It's just kind of a word that says I'm into that subject. Yeah. Right. So like I consider myself to be a full skin expert. Like I could be considered an expert in cutaneous oncology, which is skin cancer. Cause I do a ton of skin cancer, mm-hmm. but I felt that it was a white space. I felt that this was not understood and it was being addressed. So I just started to research it more, study it more, kind of put a different lens on the subject and dissect it more. And I just noticed that we were all addressing pathology of the skin, whether it be acne or melasma, which is the brown patches we get uh, during pregnancy or after pregnancy, we were all addressing it from a symptom point of view. How do we fix the problem? Not really getting to the root of it. Mm -hmm. And that's where I kind of started to explore 
um, what can we, what's going on inside the body that we're not addressing? Because I know I'm, I'm trying to bleach your brown spots out and I'm trying to laser you, but that's not really solving the problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so same with acne. It's like, you know, we know very well in the field of dermatology, this has been researched ad nauseum. Acne is very uh, close to the hearts of dermatologists and researchers. We have dozens and hundreds and thousands of literature works on acne physiology and topicals for acne and even hormonal support for acne with oral contraceptives. I mean, we know this disease back and, and forth, but nobody was really kind of addressing the hormonal component topically. Hannah, like, so you know, we're all putting Retin-A and benzoyl peroxide, but is there a way that we can put like, like, I don't want to give you hormones and affect your whole body. Mm-hmm. What if I put like a tiny little fake hormone on your skin that doesn't go into your system, um, that kind of, you know, supports your skin hormonally because there's nothing like that on the market. And that's kind of when my brain started to turn, you know, what? and this is how it happens in every industry. I think, I think people who are experts in their field who understand something mm-hmm. kind of like start making up ideas and t- and pushing the envelope, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and that's where like, you know, creative thinking and, and kind of ingenuity comes from. Yeah. And it's like, wow, we've been studying like the same ingredients for acne for like 40 years. What about this thing? Has anybody really looked into this? And that's where um, that hormonal element started coming into play and me thinking, how could I give, how could I add to this field in a significant way and um, contribute somehow? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, I think it's amazing. And I have so many questions. The first question that I have is like, so if you have hormonal acne where is like the so topical topical um products are obvi- mm-hmm. like yours for example let's mm-hmm. use yours are obviously mm-hmm. helpful but so where's yes. the line between like when you use topical and then when like let's say because we talked about this a little bit before we started recording but and yeah let me backtrack sorry this is why i'm so happy that you're here because so many of the people that listen to this podcast are the majority are women women and a lot of them do have hormonal issues so i would assume that a large majority of them would have some sort of skin issues as well because i feel like that just if you have a hormonal imbalance in your body probably will manifest in your skin right the point is is that happening inside our body Mm -hmm. is affecting our skin right and you know um we go through massive hormonal shifts in our lives you know, during Mm -hmm. puberty, during uh, pregnancy, during menopause and perimenopause, there's like these massive shifts in our lives. Even men, you know, think about a a little boy who's 11, who's starting to get pubic hair. I mean, he's having massive shifts in hormones Mm -hmm. that's affecting his brain, his skin, his development, his muscle mass. And, um, and the connection between those hormones and the skin wasn't understood. And so one of the key things about acne was we know that the, you know, the estrogen testosterone ratio in your bloodstream during those formative puberty years Mm -hmm. are kind of that ratio where the relationship between the androgens and estrogen are changing. Yeah. And so even as you go through your menstrual cycle, you you have your little estrogen troughs and highs. 
And, and that's what's affecting you breaking out before your period. Right. It's that rate, it's that milieu or cocktail of hormones that's touching your oil gland and that's affecting your skin. Mm-hmm. And so the question was, okay, we know that there's four reasons why you get a pimple. We right. know this in dermatology. We know it's from a clogged follicle. There's bacterial overgrowth. There's inflammation and there's oil production. Those are the four main reasons we get a pimple. We've addressed bacterial overgrowth with all sorts of antibiotics and benzoyl peroxide. We've addressed clogged follicles with glycolic salicylic acids and retinols. We've addressed oil production with not a lot topically. Mm-hmm. I know that we give Accutane for oil production. We give oral contraceptives to decrease oil production, but there's nothing really topically to stop production. And so how can I create a molecule that can give your skin that little estrogen support that will dampen that oil production and that inflammatory thing that happens mm-hmm. and support your tissue topically. And that's kind of was the, you know, the idea that sprung about this line. I think that's so interesting. Can you talk a little bit more about like, I guess how the products work? So if, yeah, and I, and I was, yeah. again, t- before we were recording, you sent me so many products, which I'm so grateful for because I am obsessed with them now. But um, I was telling you that for me like my I mean I always get like a pimple here and there often but wearing masks in New York City has been an absolute nightmare for my skin and your products have helped tremendously can you explain like what you know the science behind the products like how it actually works and what's in them and why they really help with whether it's hormonal acne or just you know acne in general from any other reason Yeah, great question, and I love that it's working for you. That matters so much to me. I didn't, you know, for me, creating a product line is is kind of a huge labor of love. It's not for the weak at heart, and I kind of feel like I've become a chemist in the last three to five years. Just, I mean, you have to, you don't even, I mean, this would be a whole other podcast, but just like manufacturing, Mm -hmm. you know, what a label says versus what's inside. You know, how can, you know, mixing of agents, how that decreases the efficacy of something. Wow. I mean, there's such a massive undertaking to really, uh, you know, this mindful chemistry that goes in with how much percentage and what's the vehicle and does it degrade and is, is when we open the bottle, does it oxidize? I mean, Mm. it's, it's massive, but I think. Yes. And it's really interesting. And I never knew it even as a doctor. Yeah. I didn't know. I've been prescribing creams for 15 years and I didn't even know this stuff. So, and, and to me, because I'm so OCD and I want things to be right. Um, I, I worked really closely with the chemists and the manufacturers to really kind of get creative on making things that, that didn't just say, for example, vitamin C, mm-hmm. like I know that vitamin C needs to be at this concentration, but when you open the bottle, it oxidizes. How do we bottle it without it getting destabilized? I mean, it's crazy. But going back to your specific question, without digging too much into how they, you know, how the bottle works, is I basically used, Hannah, the fundamentals of dermatologic research on acne, which is what are the products and the ingredients that have proven beneficial to acne. We know benzoyl peroxide works. We know that retinols work. We know opening the hair follicle works with glycolic acids. And so 
a lot of it was based on the fundamentals. You know, I didn't I didn't create a whole new snake oil. Yeah. Right. I used what we knew in research and then I began to tinker with the idea of using an estrogen like molecule which I found um, a research on called genistine. Genistine is a phytoestrogen. It's a plant-based estrogen mimicker. Mm-hmm. So it, it, we have estrogen, our body makes it, it has a certain molecular structure, and there's multiple things in the environment that look like human estrogen, okay? Mm-hmm. Soybeans, when they're, you know, I, the proteins are isolated, they can mimic estrogen. And so when you eat soybeans, they have a little bit of an estrogen effect in your body. And estrogen is a powerful hormone that does so many things. And we have estrogen receptors all over our body. We think like, oh, it's just in our ovary and uterus or in our vaginal tract. Mm -hmm. Not true. Estrogen receptors are in the brain, in all of our tissues, and especially in the skin. And as we go through life, you know, having the estrogen fluctuations through puberty and menopause, and even in men, you go through estrogen fluctuations. Um, it's affecting your skin in different ways. And I thought, how can I put a little bit of a plant-based estrogen in a product um, like my acne products and give that little hormonal support for the tissue when you're having an acne flare? Well, in general, we know that hormonal acne, quote unquote, is acne that fluctuates with your menstrual cycle and it's localized in the jawline. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like, you know, the, the telltale definition of acne, of hormonal acne. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we knew that benzoyl peroxide work, uh, you know, sulfur products work, retinols work, but nobody was really adding that little estrogen support. And mm-hmm. so, I started doing research on the product called Genistein and I combined it, I purified it, I combined it with, you know, let's say another, let's say six antioxidants because I knew that acne was an inflammatory disorder and I wanted to kind of calm down the inflammation that you get, which is the red hot nature of a pimple. So I kind of mixed in my cocktail of anti-inflammatory antioxidants and then together with my purified like phytoestrogen I called it my regulate 360 complex Mm -hmm. and basically I put this little molecule in every single one of my products which were already built on the foundation of good solid acne research which are the drugs that we know that work benzoyl peroxide retinol glycolics so I used the foundation and then sprinkled it with my regulate 360 and it's massively beneficial no because it just added that extra extra little layer of support it really works the other thing about acne topicals that you know i would be remiss to say is i know that the i've been using all the basic acne products and prescribing acne medications for close to 15 years and i know that the nature of these products tends to dry your skin out everybody gets flaky and so many people get irritated and we're always kind of handcuffed like I want you to use this but use it with a moisturizer don't use too much or if you're inflamed only do it every other day and that was constantly the dialogue I was having with kids Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day can you really tell a teenage boy and give them a you know multi-layered you know products no they're not going to do it right so i knew that i had to create a product line that supported the tissue 
And I built the system kind of on antioxidation and moisturization because everybody thought, oh, if you moisturize, you get oilier. No, 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 no. If you're effectively treating your pimples and your acne with active proven ingredients, then you can moisturize and not be an irritated mess. Mm -hmm. So the whole system of the clear complexion line wasn't just a hero ingredient. It's really kind of like the synergy of the molecules, the the way that they're supported for the tissue, and the whole complex is what works. It's not one ingredient. Right, right. I think, and that's kind yeah. of what everybody needs to understand about all topical medications. It's not the ingredient that might be working. And I have this great story. Um, this was this was several years ago there was this one product that i used to love it was a moisturizer and it had coffee berry in it and coffee berry has a real high antioxidant score okay this was just a moisturizer mm -hmm. that i fell in love with everybody i put this on was like looked amazing and i'm like oh my god i love coffee berry it's so awesome well the company that made it came out with another product that had twice the amount of coffee berry so I'm like, oh my God, we got to try the new one. Coffee Berry is amazing. And I had everyone try the new product. And I started looking at people like over the course of six months, I'm like, you know what? It doesn't work as good. Mm. And then it dawned on me, ding, 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 ding. It might not be the amount of Coffee Berry or even Coffee Berry itself. Maybe it's the gosh darn vehicle. Maybe it's the cocktail of the vehicle and the Coffee Berry. But the bottom line is, more is not better. One ingredient doesn't do the trick. You need a redundancy of systems because the skin is so bioactive. And it kind of was an aha moment for me as a dermatologist. That's so interesting. That's such a good it's story. Not, it's so like you go to the ordinary and you're like, oh, I'm going to buy niacinamide. Who cares how much niacinamide is there? Is it correctly manufactured? Is it purified? Is it the right percentage? Is it encased in um, tolerable ingredients that are going to penetrate into your skin? Is it absorbable? Is it not? Is it floating? Is it digging? I mean, there's all sorts of chemistry that goes involved in topicals. Wow. And that's when I began to kind of really dig deep into creating something novel, unique, and really powerful. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Well... No, it's it's so crazy because your average consumer like myself would just have no idea about any of this. So this is fascinating for me to hear. Yeah, and I didn't know either, and I was a doctor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know I mean? Um, so another thing that I want to talk about that you know is really important to me, and and I want you to speak on this. All of your products are cruelty free, gluten free, artificial color free. They have no phthalates, parabens, harmful chemicals. Um. And obviously that's bad to put on your skin, but it also affects the rest of the systems in our body. Yeah. So like the ingredients and how they affect hormones. A hundred percent. That's exactly. That's what I want to ask you. So yeah. Tell us a little so, bit more you know, about this that. Is, yeah. This is something that kind of recently came out in the environmental work groups and stuff. And it's like, you know, what are we putting on our skin that's causing internal effects mm -hmm. you know the skin is a is a is an absorbable organ and it's and and we we live in a relationship with our environment and our skin is the barrier to that environment and um you know 
whether it's friction, you get a blister on the back of your toe because you wore high heels, you know, it's, it's, it's the environment is affecting your skin. Um, and also it's very absorbable and it's permeable. And um, what you put on your tissue is being absorbed in your body. And, you know, humans didn't use lotion a hundred years ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're just like kind of living in the air, but now we're all lathering up baths and ointments and, you know, so, so, we know that you can put a drug on your skin and it goes into your body. You know, estrogen patches, testosterone gel, and not just hormones, just in general, there's drugs that are delivered via the skin. You know, think about like, um, think of uh, Tylenol up babies' butts. Yeah. Babies can't digest Tylenol. You put a, a suppository in there. So we know that the skin is permeable. Well, a lot of um, the, you know, obviously the cruelty-free and the gluten-free, a lot of that was purposeful because I see so many people with allergies and I know that we're a very kind of conscientious world that we live in now. So I wanted it to be, you know, kind of green, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, but as far as the phthalates and the parabens and all that, you know, I don't think we all really understand how powerful some of the organic solvents and um and contaminants that are inside a lot of these products and how harmful they are i really don't know we under that i don't think we understand the degree of how harmful we are yeah. how harmful some of these agents are are they super harmful no not necessarily are they barely harmful probably mm -hmm. but we just don't know but we do know that on like some preliminary studies um phthalates have you know basically shown that you know there, there's something in a phthalate that affects sperm production uh testosterone there there's definitely an, an, a relationship um where chemicals these are chemicals called phthalates that, that can trigger basically like you know uh, a death inducing signal mm -hmm. which all our cells have in testicular cells that's really interesting it makes and sense and so like you know we don't know but basically um it's it, it, how much dose do you need uh you know is it if you use it every day but essentially it can you know there's some preliminary studies and there's not enough studies and these studies are very weak you know, you have to understand when doctors read a study, we look at, well, how many subjects were there? Did you have a control? Was it double blinded? You know, we know how to look at a research study and determine if the study, mm -hmm. if the study's results are actually valid and true beyond a reasonable uh, statistical insignificance. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a lot of lay people are like, oh, there's a research study that shows your dog's urine helps toenail fungus. Yeah. Well, did, how many people were in that study too? You know, maybe that person also put Vaseline there. I mean, so there was no control. Yeah. So the point is, is these studies are weak, but I will say that there have been preliminary studies that link phthalates to hormonal changes. So it lowers mm -hmm. your sperm count. Uh, maybe your uh, uh, sperm is less mobile. So there's some male reproductive system stuff in phthalates. And I, I took that out. Yeah. And I think a lot of companies right now are removing that. And then of course, with um, the bisphosphonates and the BPAs and plastics, there has been um, some, you know, phthalates and in in some element of plastic is imitating um, sex hormones mm -hmm. and estrogen in particular. And so it's kind of like, you, you know, you really don't want to be messing with the estrogen of your body. It's such delicately balanced 
hormone. And um, if you get that synthetic hormone response in your body, it, it can affect certain things. Early puberty, um, reproductive problems. I mean, you just name it. And Cancer so is one I of did them, remove, no. yeah, I, I did remove that too. But again, I always discuss these things, Hannah, with kind of a really, a real commitment to the scientific method and kind of rigorous research, um, you know, standards. Mm -hmm. And that is all this stuff is soft research. It's there's links, but we don't know exactly. And so for me, I just felt more comfortable removing these products and removing these contaminants because I'm dealing with a phytoestrogen that I really want to be able to see the local effect and control. And I didn't want things complicating the picture. Totally. And I feel like for, since, you know, the the consumers are the consumer is particularly women with or and men with hormonal acne and hormonal skin issues it it couldn't help to have ingredients in the product that could perhaps no, no. And, affect and their I mean, hormones like a lot of people a lot of people ask me and i'm glad you said that a lot of people ask me like oh if i remove phthalates will my skin get better no yeah because acne is a multifactorial disorder that involves multiple things removing one thing might make it a little better but it's not going to make it go away there's no one hit wonder guys there's no do this you solve this these are complicated organic physiology and structures and you need to attack it from multiple points of view Mm -hmm. so there's not like you know people are like if i clean my pillowcase once a week will i have less acne i don't know it might help a little bit if you're you know, your freaking pillowcase is nasty, but <laughs> your body is still making acne. Yeah. Oh my God. No, I know. I agree. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And I get these questions from like Instagrammers and, and TikTokers and it's like, yeah, um, you know, derma rollers work, but they're not going to make your skin wrinkle free. Yeah. You know, like there's all sorts of kind of junk info out there. And totally. the thing I can express is that our bodies are Im- immensely complicated biological chemical structures. And um, there's interplay, interaction, and um, and hormones are certainly part of it, but it's not the only thing either. So let me ask you, what are your favorite products and why? Like which, if you had to recommend two or three of them to everyone listening, which ones would they be? Got it. Okay. So if you're an acne person, Mm -hmm. if you have acne and acne is not all the same, you could have sensitive skin, rosacea acne, where you feel rashy and sensitive all the time. You have baby pimples all over your chin, or you could have like cystic acne in your cheeks and your chin and they're deep and they're Goombas and they have no head, or you could have like blackhead acne, no matter what acne you have, I think you would benefit from the benzoyl peroxide spot treatment. The benzoyl peroxide spot treatment is a micronized, super purified benzoyl peroxide, so it's totally tolerable, and it, it's built on a system of moisturization, and it works. Yeah, so applying your benzoyl work. peroxide on your spot treatment is amazing. Um, also in the acne line, I um, I love the benzoyl peroxide wash. You know, it's 10%, super strong, super powerful, but totally tolerable. And no matter what, if you've got acne, you got to wash your face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the other thing in the acne line that I absolutely love, I put only things that were absolutely necessary. Nothing is fluff in my line. 
So like, for example, the glycolic peel pads, we all know about peel pads. We all use pads now, blah, blah, pads are like played out. But my glycolic peel pads are 10%. They have that phytoestrogen regulate 360. So that's what opens your pores and wipes off the comedone or that clogged nature. Mm. And they're a miracle. So I love I need those. those. I'm going to get them. Yeah, those are amazing. <laughs> I'll send those to you, Hannah. I really, I mean, I even like those for, um, for like aging and yeah. blotchy skin, like forget acne. It's like one of my favorite products of all time. You're stripping down that dead layer, that stratum cornea that builds up and it doesn't allow like luminosity. Mm-hmm. Those pads just wipe that down and that's where you get your dewiness from. So great for acne and anti-aging. That's amazing. And then, and then of course I'd be remiss to say that, um, that the, in the in the essentials line, because I have two lines, the clear mm-hmm. complexions for acne and the essentials line is the gray line. It's essential. Everybody needs it. And in the essentials line, two of my favorite products are the Inflammaging Night Repair. The Inflammaging Night Repair is like medicine. It is a trifecta powerful antioxidant that helps aging and acne. And it's just, it, to me, it's the best product in the line. Mm-hmm. And um, the Inflammaging Night Repair, we all know that aging and acne is an inflammatory process. And w- doctors don't want inflammation. Inflammation causes breakdown of proteins, causes oxidative stress, DNA damage, yada, yada. So inflammation is a bad thing. And so how do we dampen inflammation in our skin? Well, you can't put steroids on your face every day because that's what we normally do with rashes. We give you a steroid cream. Mm -hmm. But there's a way to deliver anti-inflammatory ingredients. The main three I used were resveratrol, caffeine, and polyphenol in that product. And it's almost like putting a baby aspirin on your face. And it's amazing for anti-aging. So inflammation night repair. And then lastly, the advanced retinal night repair. Mm -hmm. I cannot hold my head up high as a dermatologist Mm -hmm. and not tell everybody to use a retinol. I tell everybody, beautiful skin, you need two things, sunscreen and retinol. Mm -hmm. Everything else is icing on the cake. Yeah. Sunscreen and retinol, sunscreen and retinol. Everything else is icing on the cake. And that's like from an anti-aging standpoint. And my advanced retinol night repair is so beautiful um, again, because of the mindful chemistry, the fact that it's, you know, I, I retinol, everyone's afraid of it's irritating, but I do, I, I created it, manufactured it with a micropolymer system. So it absorbs slowly. It's released slowly. So you're getting that powerful retinol effect without the harshness. That's amazing. Yeah. I How love cool. the retinol. If you, if you like for you, Hannah, yeah. I would do your BP spot treatment when you need, you have a little pimple, babe. Mm-hmm. And then I would put on your advanced retinal night repair, pretty much get used to that every night. Mm-hmm. And you will see a difference in your complexion. Your tone and texture will improve. Your fine lines will improve. You'll be preserving your collagen. Do you put Those that on before things. a moisturizer or after? Good question. You want to put your retinols on naked skin. Okay. So as far as layering, everybody always asks me that. You want to wash first. If you're a toner, you could tone. You want to do serums next. If you're a serum person, you let that dry, and then you put your retinol. Mm -hmm. And then your moisturizer goes last. So retinol is either on naked skin or on top of your serums. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Got it. Thank you. Um. Okay, so the other question I want to ask you about 
acne is are there any products you don't recommend for someone who has hormonal acne and I don't mean your products I just mean products in general yeah yeah I mean the thing is is you know like really heavy makeup and comedogenic makeup can can clog pores and and increase acne and you can have a lot of the phthalates and parabens in your makeup yeah so I tell people to use mineral makeup and to basically um, use powders and, um, you know, essentially go into the um, mineral zinc and titanium makeups. Um, the other thing is people that use really thick, goopy stuff in their hair, you can get clogged pores around the, the hair follicles of the scalp, mm-hmm. and that extends down into the face. That's so a lot of, like, leave-in hair products can cause increased oiliness in the scalp area. Mm-hmm. And then um, in, instead of talking about what to avoid is number one, do not pick your pimples. Yeah. I tell everybody. <laughs> I'm guilty of that. I know. Well, <laughs> I'm like the biggest monkey. I pick like my kids' eyebrows and toenails and I'm like, I'm such a little um, primate. But, you know, human beings do not like to see things on their body. It's just like, I mean, yeah. from the Neanderthal age. I mean, we pick at ourselves. And a pimple is just a really uncomfortable thing, and you want to get it off. But the problem is when you physically manipulate a pimple, you cause local trauma to tissue, and that can lead to scarring. And so I tell people, if you are dying to pop your pimple and it's like a big old whitehead, take two little Q-tips, and after you kind of gently wash your face with warm water to open the pores a little bit, roll two little Q-tips over and go under it, but never use your nails or a needle or squeezing super hard because that physical trauma can cause um, tissue damage. Oh, I'm so guilty of it. It's terrible. We all are. I'm like the biggest, I mean, like I'm a dermatologist. I tell people not to pick and I'm like, I like put holes in my face because I just can't take it. I'm like a bird. I'm a human. I know. If someone is trying to find a good dermatologist to work with in their acne hormonal skincare journey are there specific questions that they should ask or certain things that they should look for yes i love that question first of all i love all my fellow dermatologists i have (laughs) like it's kind of like you you know if you're like a if you're like a tap dancer you love all tap dancers totally um i love all dermatologists i think they're some of the smartest people in medicine it's a really competitive specialty, Hannah. I don't know if you know that. It's mm-hmm. one of the most competitive specialties to get, which is so yeah. funny because it's not that serious of disease. It's like, shouldn't it be the neurosurgeons? Right. But dermatology is just really competitive. So you tend to get the top students in medical school classes go into dermatology. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of dermatologists are very research heavy. We love clinical research. We love science. And... Um, um, your dermatologist knows how to treat acne. It's the bread and butter of what they do. The main thing I can recommend for anybody who's listening is this. If you are making scars, if you are seeing indentations in your face, that's what a true scar is, guys. It's indentations. It's not the little red mark. Flat little red marks go away with time. But indentation, ice picks, undulating scars, you must not keep just putting your creams on you have to see a dermatologist because you Mm -hmm. probably need oral medication Mm -hmm. creams only help superficial acne they do not help deep cystic acne they help a little bit but they don't take care of it and i tell people no matter who you are a 40 year old woman with pimples or an 11 year old with blackheads you will grow out of your acne you will not be 90 with pimples on your face yeah okay but 
you will never grow out of your acne scars. When you get an acne scar at 15, it's with you till you're 90. So if you're making scars, you need to see a dermatologist. You need to pony up the cash. You need to find someone local. You need to drive two hours away from your house, whatever it takes to see a doctor so you don't get scarring because that's a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And I tell people that your dermatologist will know how to handle your acne. What I would urge you to ask your dermatologist, not hormonal dermatology and that little niche little word. That's not the question to ask. The question to ask your dermatologist is, do I need oral medication? I don't want to be a little bit better. I want to be 100% better. Mm-hmm. What can you give me to make me 100% better? I And that's what I always tell people. My end goal with treating your acne when you come to me in my office, I don't want to be like, start this cream, come back in six weeks. Let's try this. Let's try that. I'm like, full guns. <gasps> Oh my God. Butchica, butchica, And I'm just like, I, I want to fix you. Yeah. And, and that's, no, that's what amazing. I because yes, I've been to that's... so many dermatologists where that's exactly what they say. Yes. Oh and my is God. Is that frustrating for you? It's so frustrating. Specifically, I mean, just I'll go on like a 30 second tangent, but I had this like sunspot on my chest that I'm convinced was from the one time I ever went in a tanning bed like seven years ago. I got a sunspot. I know, horrible. A sunspot on my chest. It's like the size of like two quarters of discoloration it's a little bit oh darker it's terrible and yeah. i went to um a dermatologist and who I was actually i really liked her i heard great things about her here in new york and she like gave me a bunch of different creams and topical things and you know like a lot of stuff and then kept come back in a month come back in a month come back in a month nothing worked gave me other routines to come back in a month nothing worked and I don't know. Maybe it's just the thing on my chest. This is an acne, but yeah, yeah. No, but I can't. Like, how do you? No, I know. And and the thing is, is let me tell you something. This is this is clinical acumen. Yeah. This is. It's kind of like, you know, when you see like you, you have a waiter and he's like super engaged, knows exactly when to refill your cup, mm-hmm. make sure you've got the Parmesan cheese with your pasta before you ask for it, and it's like just he's got it down. Yeah. And that's how totally. doctors are too, guys. He's got it down. There's some people that are like, I know how to fix this. And if this doesn't work, we're going to do this. And I, I got to get, I got to find a solution. And it's like that OCD element. That's just who I am as a person. I know. I know. You know what I mean? So, so as a consumer, as a patient, you know, I know you gave it your full effort and you kind of just gave up, but like the next thing you need to do is like, yeah. look, Dr. So-and-so, I totally appreciate we're doing this. I know you're trying to be conservative so you don't create scarring. Cause that's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Doctors always have to think about the um, negative outcomes of an intervention. Yeah. Right. Like I could blast your brown spot off, but I don't want to risk a scar either. Right. Right. So there's always a cost benefit ratio to what a physician is choosing to do in terms of therapy. That makes sense. And so like, but as a consumer, just to be like a baller, you could be like, look, Dr. Smith, like, I so appreciate what you've done, but I really need you to be more aggressive. I'm literally staring at this thing in the mirror all the time. I can't emphasize it to you enough. Tell me what hardcore crap you can do and tell me what the risks are. Mm -hmm. So again, being an educated consumer, walking in demanding results, is like it's it's you're in charge of your body yeah. it's like the most important thing about being a human don't tell me what to do with my body or give me answers to my body mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's what a doctor is there for 
Yeah. No, you make a really good point because I think like the main thing here is that, and I would say, especially as women, you know, you go into a doctor and here we're talking about dermatologist's office, like something yeah. that bothers you. For example, we can use me like this spot on my chest. It bothers me. And yes, I look at it every day and, or, you know, most days and I know it's yeah. there and I'd like for it to not be there. But I feel like when you go into an office, you tone down the level of frustration that you have. Time. Right. Time. So I'm just so glad that you said that because. Yeah. And same with like, think of like, you know, your vulvodynia patient. Totally. It's like, you're going in, the guy's like, oh, let's try this. And you're like, dude, I can't even like sit and go pee. Yeah. This is affecting my life every second, every moment. Yeah. You know, so, so, I mean, not to be dramatic, but I do think that doctors, because we've seen so much, um, so much in medical school, we tend to minimize patient symptoms Mm. and, and, you know, kind of having a real connection to the human experience is important as a physician. And yeah. I never underestimate, like, I'm like, yeah, what is, what's a big deal? There's a dot on your face, like live with it. What's a big deal. <laughs> but I kind of have to remind myself like, oh my God, the person's looking at their face every single day. I have to help them. Yeah. Totally. You know, so it's, a, it's, a, it's again, having empathy and that's like, like numero uno and being a good doctor. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and for the patients, like go to the doctor as if you were just talking to yourself like how, yeah, the frustration a, yeah, that you here, have with yourself yeah, like here's another one even uh-huh. me as a doctor like like you know I'm like one time like I just was feeling like oh my periods are a little off or blah, 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 and I'm talking to my OB about it and she's like yeah no big deal she's totally poo-pooing me and I kind of get like I get a little afraid and even as a physician I mean I'm a physician talking to a physician I'm right like, okay I should just let it go but like at the end of the day I was like no I'm gonna go find someone who can give me answers and yeah. I started looking in like nature paths and like functional medicine doctors and like you know I kind of started barking up that tree because I like solutions mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And so if you're not going to give them to me and you're going to be some like half-assed doctor that gives me some half-assed answers, I'm going to find my answers elsewhere. Bye. There's two other things that I want to ask you before we go. One of them is, this is definitely like random, but important. Yeah. The importance no, of wearing it. an SPF, you know, SPF or SPF moisturizer yeah. every day. This is something, so I'm 25 now to put this yeah. into context. I never, I've never done this until three months ago my sister who's younger than me like freaked out at me she was like I can she's obsessed with she's become obsessed with skincare I think like during COVID yeah and she's like I cannot believe you don't wear SPF during the day that is horrible for your skin like is was yelling at me and so basically I ordered a uh, SPF moisturizer and I've been wearing it like I would say five days a week but now I'm so obsessed with this so can you just share why this is so important and why everyone else should be wearing SPF every day. Hands down, sunscreen is the most important thing you can do for your face, both from an anti-aging perspective and a a skin cancer perspective. Bottom line is you don't want skin cancer, especially melanoma. And sunscreen prevents that. But what we all really care about, Hannah, is how we look. And um, sunscreen is considered to be the most effective anti-aging product. So when they took, they did a study in 2008 that asked, I think, 4,000 dermatologists worldwide. Okay, this was a massive study. What creams are you recommending for your patients? And that was the only question they asked. And all these doctors sent in their answers. 100% of the dermatologists recommended sunscreen. Not 95, 
not 85, not 99, 100%. Now, 95% recommended a retinol. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was big, 95, dang, that's a lot. And then the next was like 20% said this, 30% said this, 20, 80, you know, 70% said this. Nothing was above like 50%. The point is all dermatologists believe in sunscreen and retinol for Mm anti-aging. That's like tried and true, research proven over and over again. Now going to sunscreen is, well, how early do you need to start? How much? The problem with sunscreen is that 10, 15 years ago, Hannah, they were disgusting. Yeah. You put them on and it was like pasty white crap or full of chemicals. And people just didn't think sunscreen was good. But now since 2005, when they started to make them micronized or 2008, I forget the year, they made them invisible. So sunscreens, and I'm, and there's two kinds of sunscreens just to give you some education. Sunscreens, A, are considered the best anti-aging product you can put on your face. More than vitamin C, antioxidants, stem cells, PRP, retinol, anything. Use so sunscreen. wild. How crazy. Uh-huh. Because ultraviolet radiation causes DNA damage. DNA damage leads to collagen breakdown. And collagen breakdown leads to dysregularities in tone, pigment, texture, thinness. So it's massive. That is so interesting. Oh my God, it's I can't get over it. It's all about UV radiation. Now, a lot of people are like, well, I work in a cubicle or, oh, I stay in my house or, oh, I go to the library. The you car know, my ride. Is, my answer is, it's not just the card, but right now I'm in my kitchen talking to you mm. and my eyeballs are looking outside the window and I can see sunlight and sunlight is coming into my house because my eyeball is perceiving the sunlight. So if your retina, which is, you know, the thing behind your eyeball and your pupil is perceiving sunlight your eyeball is seeing sunlight inside the house then your skin is perceiving sunlight wow ultraviolet radiation is touching you because your eyeball is seeing it so essentially i tell people you want to put sunscreen on even if you're in the house even if you're at work because if you're seeing the sun at some point in your it's not being in the sun it's just seeing the sun that's oh my god because like okay now i need to wear my SPF moisturizer every day, not seven days, not five days, because I'm like, oh, if I'm inside all day, it's been winter yeah, and it's freezing it. cold. I'm like, oh, I'll just, yeah. you know, but spare. But I'm like hardcore about that. And then everyone's like, well, what about vitamin D? And I'm just, uh, just. Well, I mean, we've shown that you we get enough vitamin D in, in you know, basically, um, you know, a certain latitude and longitude and all that. But, you know, if you live in Minnesota or, you know, Fargo or North Dakota or something where you're not getting enough sunlight and you're not then and you do have I mean I still believe you should take you should use sunscreen and take a vitamin d tablet yeah that's how hardcore I am about the ultraviolet radiation on the skin it is so in theory we're breaking down collagen from ultraviolet radiation and causing dna mutations from ultraviolet radiation and also hannah we do have endogenous um, enzymes that break down our collagen that are just triggered by age so the theory is if you lived in a cave and you inhibited your endogenous enzymes from breaking down collagen, let's say with retinol, you would have the same skin as at 40 as you do at 80 because you're wow. not breaking it down in t- inside and you're not getting ultraviolet damage. So a- another kind of, you know, just to wrap your mind around sunscreen and simplify it for you, there's two kinds of sunscreens in the world. 
physical blockers and chemical blockers. The chemical blockers degrade in sunlight. So like if I put oxybenzone or benzophenone, like what you see in some of the more common drugstore sunscreens, they're chemical sunscreens. They tend to degrade in sunlight, number one. Isn't that funny? You're using them to block yeah. the sun, but they're degrading in sunlight. And they also have a high allergy content and then the other or high allergy characteristic. And the other thing about chemical sunscreens is that um, they uh, – um, they don't block out UVA and UVB. Mm. So they're not as broad spectrum. So in general, if you're going to put a sunscreen on, don't use a chemical sunscreen. It's not that good. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, physical sunscreens are titanium or zinc sun sunscreens. Just turn over your bottle and look. Does it say zinc oxide? Does it say titanium dioxide? And that's a physical sunscreen. Now, they have percentages, 9%, 2%, 4%, whatever, but the ingredient makes it a physical sunscreen and physical sunscreens block both UVA, UVB. They're no longer white and pasty. They've made them micronized and invisible now. And they're way more, and they don't degrade in sunlight. Does it matter what percent percentage is in the bottle? It's a good question. Um, the sun protection factor, which is the SPF number, tells you kind of the strength of it. So forget the percentage of the zinc oxide for now. Let's just go to the SPF number. The SPF number of 15 or more is basically blocks out about 90% of the ultraviolet radiation. So then why Once does you, someone care to use 50, let's say? Like like 50, you're, okay, let me tell you. So at 15, you're like close to 90. I think it's like 87% or something. Forget the number. Yeah. Once you get to 30, you're like at 97. After 30, you're like at 2%, 3% more. Like you're never 100%. Mm. And let me tell you what SPF means because it's a super important number. The word SPF means some protection factor. And this is how they rank those creams. If you put your left arm in the sun and it took 10 minutes to get red, Okay, 10 minutes. If you put an SPF 30 on your right arm and put that in the sun, it would take 30 times longer to get that red. So that's called the minimal erythema dose. So your right arm with the SPF 30 will take 300 minutes to get your arm the same redness as the left arm who didn't have any sunscreen because it took 10 minutes on the left arm oh this makes so, so if much I, sense if i take it to it, it's just a time that it's a number so factor. interesting and that's called the minimal erythema dose so if i put but like look your minimal erythema dose like if you're a real a fair-skinned individual and you go into the sun it might take you 10 minutes to get red now I'm Greek, I've got olive tone skin, and it takes me 30 minutes. Mm. So if it takes me 30 minutes to get red, which is called, that's my minimal erythema dose necessary to make me pink. If I put an SPF 30, it would be 30 minutes times 30. It would take me 900 minutes to get red this with an crazy. SPF of 30. I never understood SPF yes. this way. So it's both who you are as a person and the number that you use. So if you use fifth, like honestly, so that's what they talk about in terms of how, what percentage of ultraviolet radiation it's blocking and why the numbers is de denoted that number. So I put an SPF 
30 in my vitamin C moisturizer because kind of my tried and true minimalist approach to good skincare is antioxidation and sunscreen in the morning and then retin-a at night that's kind of the bare bones of beautiful anti-aging skin and then you can add the glycolics and the hyaluronic acids and the peptides and all that but really the bare bones is sunscreen and retin-a and in the morning because i knew vitamin c is so important as an antioxidant to absorb any damage you might be getting that's bypassing your little sunscreen i added the vitamin c with the sunscreen because it's a one-stop shop and i just think it's like amazing and it's super thin it goes on naked it's great for all skin types so i want you to try that in your in your bag of goodies anna okay well i'm 100 percent gonna do that thank you very last thing that we need to spend yeah. a quick minute or two talking about is mask knee and if oh, you yeah. have any pieces of advice i'm sure you have a lot but like your top few things that people can do to prevent breakouts with masks yeah. are you getting acne from your mask hannah i do yes i haven't okay. as much since i've been using your products like oh, it's okay, yeah good. been actually tremendously better um okay. but i still awesome. would say on occasion yeah yeah okay so so mask knee it guys um for those of you that don't know what it is is it's that little um rash that we develop around our mouth that um is due to the mask and the humidity of the mask and, and you know people that don't have acne are all of a sudden showing up in my clinic and saying oh my god i'm breaking out my chin or i'm getting acne for the first time and i'm 40 years old um and what we're beginning to realize is that the humidity of the mask is um, basically decreasing ventilation of your skin. And you're getting eccrine, which is sweat gland obstruction. And when you get sweat gland obstruction, you get, um, you know, inflammation. And inflammation then can trigger acne that's kind of hidden underneath. And, and it's kind of like a cascade. It's like you twist your ankle, you keep twisting it. You know, and it's just like, mm -hmm. blah, 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 mm -hmm. and it's just a cascade. So um, as far as maskne, I think that one of the key things to do is um, to really wash your face off of, of makeup in the evening. Keep your mask off as much as possible when you're when it's appropriate and, and basically be more vigilant about washing. Yeah. Okay. Once, I mean, that's kind of like bare bones 101. That's not that exciting to say. The other thing I really think is great is um using the glycolic peel pads and really keeping that stratum corneum which is that dead layer that's blocking the ventilation kind of really wiping that down and and i really like the glycolic uh the 10 percent glycolic peel pads because they're not harsh um but they really kind of open up the pores and and and, and basically keep the skin from getting clogged amazing and then last thing last thing this is so important a lot of people who have rosacea which is a little baby red chin. I'm sensitive. I can't put too many creams on my face. Um, get really bad mask knee because that kind of exacerbates the whole cascade of inflammation. And so if you're getting really red, really pimply, um, you might need a prescription rosacea product. Okay. Or one of my favorite things for rosacea is the Inflamaging Night Repair and the Dr. Zenovia line. And the Dr. Zenovia line um, that I made, the Inflamaging Night Repair is like my numero uno for maskne and any kind of rosacea because mm -hmm. it's an anti-inflammatory. So that's my favorite product for maskne. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
and I think that's it. Is there anything else that you that you have? I I asked you so many questions. I mean, I could ask you a million more, but we're out you of time. You know what? Yeah. I just I I do not. I, I hope that um, I was able to teach you something. You are such an inquisitive, thoughtful person, Hannah, oh, and um, I admire how you've tackled so many of the delicate subjects in, in women's health. And um, likewise, I just I just think you're awesome. I just I can't wait to see what you evolve into and I just I'm really I'm honored that you invited me and that you thought my information was useful thank you well I really really appreciate that and I feel so fortunate that I was able to have you here you are such a wealth of knowledge um I can't wait to keep in touch with you I I feel like I'm going to be asking you so many more questions now (laughs) yeah and if anybody has any like specific questions or like what was she saying you can go to my website drzenovia.com or, um, you know, you can find my products both on my website or at Sephora.com. Cool. But basically, um, you know, a lot of times I've really spent a lot of time educating patients on my website to kind of really understand the, the philosophy behind things. And, um, and then you can also find me in my clinic. I'm in Newport Beach, California. And uh, my my medical practice is called Xena Medical because even though my full name is Xenovia, I go by Xena. Amazing. And where can people find you? Like Instagram, what social media are you on? Got it. So yeah. my social media handles are at Dr. Zenovia and at Zena Medical. Zena Medical is the medical practice and um, Dr. Zenovia is a skincare line. And, um, and that's basically it. And Facebook too is Zena as Dr. Zenovia and Zena Medical. Amazing. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. And I can't wait to share this episode with everyone. All right. Be well. And, and you too. Um, I, I, I really appreciate talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. This podcast is for educational purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other healthcare professional services, including the giving of medical advice. During the episodes, no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Listeners should seek the assistance of their healthcare provider for any concerns or questions they have.